an update on the Commonwealth Games. I'm really proud to say that I really feel that the Commonwealth sport movement is probably more relevant than it ever has been. David Grevenberg, Chief Executive of the Commonwealth Games Federation, is our guest on this edition of Around the Rings Radio. I'm Ed Hula. Thanks for joining us today. Founded in 1930 as the British Empire Games, the Commonwealth Games have become a notable fixture on the international sports scene since then. Now featuring 6,000 athletes competing in about two dozen sports, the Commonwealth Games are an important part of sport for the members of the Federation, which send a total of 71 teams to the Games held every four years. While Olympic game sport is included in the program, the Commonwealth Games also make sure that sports closely followed by the Commonwealth nations are included. Netball and cricket, prime examples of these sports that are considered part of the core program of the Commonwealth Games. Gold Coast on Australia was the last host of the Games in 2018. Birmingham in the UK is next for 2022. Durban, South Africa was to host those Games, but the Federation had to withdraw the honor when South Africa could not form an organizing committee or pay the required fees. Hamilton, Ontario appears to be on track as the sole bidder for the 2026 Commonwealth Games. Hamilton, which hosted the inaugural edition of the British Empire Games in 1930, had been planning to mark the 100th anniversary of the event with the Games in Hamilton in 2030. Keeping an eye on the administration and operation of the Commonwealth Games is an American born in Louisiana, David Grevenberg. He competed in wrestling and coached the sport as well. After working with the International Paralympic Committee, Grevenberg joined the staff of the 2014 Commonwealth Games in Glasgow as chief executive. Following the completion of those games, he headed south to London, where he's been CEO of the Federation for the past six years. David Grevenberg, welcome to Around the Rings Radio today. It's great to be here, and uh, great to hear your voice. The uh, corona pandemic has had an impact on sport around the world, um, to a lesser degree, maybe on the Commonwealth Games, but you've had to move at least one event around. Um, the Youth Games were to be held in Trinidad and Tobago in 2021, but... Uh, what has been the uh, big impact of uh, of the coronavirus pandemic? Yeah, you know, it, it, it's it's very interesting. I think it is certainly um, we've been working remotely. Our diversity in the Commonwealth, you know, geographic diversity. We have demographic diversity in terms of the nations that we represent, the people that we we serve, uh, the communities that we we work with. Um, uh, you know, it, but we we've worked remotely together for, so I think it's, it, it, we've been prepared as, as well as we can to keep our connectivity uh, going and, and keep our communication lines going. But when it comes to our gatherings, like uh, major events, um, some of our, um, obviously our governance meetings and even our development programs, uh, they have been impacted in terms of, uh, you know, what uh, considerations we've need, uh, needed to take in, in terms of duty of care, uh, and then, of course, uh, you know, realizing the, the 
return on investment that we, we put into a lot of these events. We're, we're still sticking strong to our event in 2022 in terms of Birmingham and, and those relative dates, whilst a number of major sporting events are having to reschedule 2022, we've been able to collaborate with the likes of World Athletics and UEFA and, and so forth um, around some of their signature events that, ha- that have had to relocate uh, to, protect, uh, to protect our event. But uh, we did have a direct uh, between the new dates of the Olympics and our youth games um, in Trinidad and Tobago and, and therefore uh, have had to reconsider with uh, the delivery authority uh, there whether or not it will be feasible to host those games in 2023. And I think that's just about being a responsible movement, that uh, you don't want to run an event uh, at all costs. You need to ensure that you're values-based, people-centered, and impact-based in everything you do. And that that doesn't change whether we're working remotely or working in a p- pandemic situation. Um, if anything, those, those, those three principles really uh, become that much more important when you're working uh, at a distance um, and when you're really looking at protecting both the interest of a community but also the safety of people. So we've, uh, I think, you know, so far so good uh, in terms of our insight and our um, ability to respond. Our ability to recover and reset is what we're starting to look look at right now in terms of what that means for the Commonwealth uh, Games and what that means for the Commonwealth sports movement. You have not made, or there's not been a firm decision made on whether the games, the Commonwealth Youth Games, will be moved to 2022. You're waiting for final, final word. 2023. Yeah, we'd be looking at 2023 um, as a possibility because we we wouldn't want uh, them to overlap or or cannibalize uh, end games in 2022. Um, and so we're sticking strong to our dates for our main games in 2022 and to uh, um, end up uh, re-hosting or, or, or uh, rescheduling our event in Trinidad Tobago. It will likely be in 2023. And uh, we on that uh, by, uh, by September of this year. You, you studied uh, academically. You got your master's degree in sports administration. Uh, what what part of your education sports administration dealt with uh, pandemic medical crises as they affect uh, sporting events? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, you know, I, I certainly think some of the contract law aspects <laughs> okay. of it, when you st- look at the uh, force majeure clauses, um, looking at uh, liability, indemnity, uh, coverage, um, I, I think this is uncharted territory. I'm fascinated by it because it, it really comes down to how much risk are you legally able to take uh, and then how much risk are you morally and ethically uh, willing to take in terms of running events. But in keeping that in mind, the the whole notion of uh, our has to be almost uh, at, uh, in terms of responsibility. Then you can, you know, promote and empower and 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 bring people to 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 reach their full potential. But if you can't take care of them in the first instance, then you know you need to deal with that before you even begin. So, you know, I have to say that my my education and, and sports administration, both my bachelor's degree and my master's degree, um, you know, I don't think it prepares you necessarily for 
uh, you know, such a, a dramatic crisis, but certainly um, the considerations that you learn in terms of dealing with certain aspects of contracts and the principles and philosophies behind those contracts, uh, I, it was definitely helpful to to be able to to to, to um, go into case studies and deliberate that. I can I can assure you, plenty of case studies will be written <laughs> by academics on how uh, either uh, survive, um, fail, or or thrive um, as a sport industry uh, through uh, the the back of uh, COVID nineteen. And th- this is a great learning experience for everybody. I mean, we've never seen anything like this. Certainly, the phenomenon of the absence of live sport um, with with spectators, with crowds, that just vanishing over the past couple of months, um, it's just something that nobody could ever think would happen. Yeah, I think it, it really it, it really questions our our whole notion of socialization around sport. You know, I think a lot of our broadcast experiences and a lot of our is is how do you create the stadium experience uh, or in arena experience in your own home? And well, if that that arena or that stadium is empty, well, is that the experience you want to be creating? <laughs> so I think it'll be really fascinating to see how we respond as an industry to some of the safety provisions. And you know, I'm, I've been fascinated to watch. From afar, the work and their their event down in Jacksonville a few weeks ago, and questioning how did they, <laughs> how did they beyond the politics and the political uh, uh, points of view, you know, how did they go about getting that forward and making that making that event possible and getting the political will and the social will and the you know all of the and the financial. Uh, coverage to be able to, to 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 pull that off, and I'm I'm you know I'm, I what we think, I think what we need to do now in sport more than ever, is really look at where we can collaborate smarter and harder, where we can innovate more, certainly uh, where we can consolidate um, and work more efficiently, and I think that that's. Uh, that's forcing us to look at these things and we'll still delivering a, a safe and meaningful experience. Let's talk about uh, what's happening with uh, Commonwealth Games Federation, uh, I guess along these broad terms here. Just late last year, uh, PricewaterhouseCoopers conducted a, a pretty substantial uh, uh, study for the CGF dealing with values and how you approach uh, bringing the games uh, to a to a location, the kind of philosophy that you're trying to uh, bring, I guess, uh, organizational philosophy, one way to put it. Um, tell us, t- t- talk to us a little bit more about the, the 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 study and what you think it shows for your organization. Well, for probably about uh, probably about seven or eight years since. Since uh, about 2011, the Commonwealth sports movement has been very much on a journey of uh, um, And in 2015, we refreshed our vision as an organization, our mission, uh, our strategic priorities. And 
the things in doing that, uh, we really uh, defined uh, and created a narrative around how we were going to measure success. And that we really, at that point, uh, decided that we were not just a institution or a group of associates get together every four years and go to a games, but we were actually a meaningful sport movement. The Commonwealth sport movement had a very distinct place in sport. Um, and through the history of our events, through the shared history, the, the geography and demographics that I was mentioning earlier, um, we had a distinct value proposition and unique uh, value proposal that we really feel that we can bring to a number of cities um, and the world of sport in general. And when we come to the hosting of our kind of our big, uh, you know, our, our big bonanza uh, in, in terms of the the, the Commonwealth Games, um, we needed to ensure that we could be accountable for that investment in that. Both time, money, resources, just commitment of local communities that that event had uh, a positive benefit, both economically and socially, a host. Uh, and what we need to do is we needed to prove it. <laughs> and that's really what that, uh, the, the, the purpose of this was to say, look, if we want to show that we're serious about our, our own accountability and have a, have a uh, you know, it, we're not just chatting about the value that our event brings, but we can actually showcase the best practice, the positive testimony. We need to, we need to get some case studies um, from a tangible uh, point of view and, and with some really objective perspectives on this and really showcase this to people and show what, what consistently are we able to uh, deliver uh, and learn from that and strengthen our proposition. And so really what we've, we've shown, we created this uh, value framework. And this value framework uh, really focuses on how our games delivers in terms of peace, sustainability, and prosperity. Um, and, and not just 11 days of great sporting competition, but the journey to delivering the games and 25 years, a generation after delivering the games, how it's the gift that keeps giving if you invest right you plan right and you deliver right. And that's essentially what this uh, this report showcases is that you know, consistently we have had very positive economic and social benefit in an in a, in a, a array of different contexts. Um, but what I mean by that, not every city is the same. Not every city has uh, the same challenges and not every city has the same opportunities. But what we really have identified is that we have three types of cities that we are accustomed to working in, emerging markets, regenerative markets, and more sustained markets. And what this really shows is how a game can respond to each of those markets and, uh, and really get the, depending on where a city is in that journey, and be a real contributor to sustainable development um, and making a city more prosperous. Well, using that framework, how do you apply it for upcoming games, for example, Birmingham in 2022. Well, it's one of the things that it uh, it does help us do is that uh, we're we're able to share uh, plenty of best practice. Um, we've been able to to shape 
not only uh, our contractual documents, our uh, obligations and uh, so forth in terms of the, I would say, the legal construct around the games to be uh, more value added, but also how we are collaborating as a partner. And uh, uh, Boris Johnson was uh, famous for saying when he was mayor of London uh, and the, the, coordinate, the IOC coordination commissions used to come to, uh, uh, to London for saying, uh, it's the men and women of Del Monte coming to inspect the fruit. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, I think you know, we've, we've changed that conversation in terms of, we're, we're, and I think the IOC very similarly with uh, Agenda 2020, is that this is about true partnership. This is about you know, really assessing the in a dialogue phase and conducting responsible feasibility assessments to you know what what is going to be both feasible, practical, and again uh, really a part of mission critical in terms of uh, long term sustainable benefits to a city. We do this as a partner, and uh, we've created a couple of years ago uh, a joint venture with Lagadere Sports uh, called uh, CGF. Um, and ZGF partnerships, in addition to supporting us with long-term, uh, long-term commercial viability of the games, uh, really a primary focus is on the long-term development and deliverability of our games as well. Um, and so we actually have embedded on the ground within the organizing committee and part of the delivery partnership that uh, are vested in the successful delivery of the event but also the long-term sustainability and stability um, of the games and the movement as a whole. So between those two pieces of you know, getting the right kind of obligations pulled together and having the right team, uh, we, we were really bringing all of, all of the, I would say, the, the vision to life. We're talking with David Grevenberg. He's the CEO of the Commonwealth Games Federation. Uh, Birmingham is the host for the 2022 games. Uh, they they were got got the honor after you had to drop Durban, South Africa, as the uh, as the host for 2022 due to their due to their organizational issues. Um, is Birmingham on track for 2022, given the short time frame they've had, and how does this framework uh, help? help Birmingham, you know, deal with uh, having a, a short lead up to the games? Yeah, you know, it, it, the, the situation with Durban, we were incredibly disappointed in having to make a very difficult decision as a movement uh, to postpone the Africa to host the first really major sporting event of its kind. Um, and Durban was a, just a great, uh, great location. Uh, KwaZulu-Natal and the Etiquini uh, municipality, uh, the, just the people, the vibrancy, the diversity, the passion for sport of South Africans. Um, it had so many positive uh, ingredients, um, and that was a very difficult decision. But really, at that time, the the political, the the, the social, um, and the economic challenges that the country was facing, it would have been irresponsible for us not to make that tough decision um, because, to be quite honest, it just was not the right time to bring all those pieces together to deliver on, um, on those games. Um, what, what we were able to do in that, uh, you know, in uh, 
the challenge uh, is really kind of diversity to our uh, to our advantage, and that was accelerate some of the ambitions that we had for 2026. Was this this new model I was talking about? So we were able to uh, embed the CGF uh, partnerships approach to adding value to uh, the new perspectives for 2022, and we've been able to to really help. Uh, I would say slingshot, if you will, the uh, the 2022 opportunity uh, into a into a very positive uh, position in terms of where we're going. Now, it's not without challenges considering uh, the current situation that we're we're dealing with, and and obviously some uncertainty generated around Brexit and so forth. But at the same time. Um, we are in a we're in a very strong position, very good uh, good partnership, working um, and and collaboration, um, and a real focus on pragmatic work to deliver a fantastic experience in 2022. Well, ultimately, we're creating the place to be in 2022. So, I I've, I feel really confident with the partners we have, the city of Birmingham, the 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 uh, leadership in both the city and. Uh, and the West Midlands, which is the uh, the uh, regional uh, of uh, of England, it's you know it, it lends itself to to so many so many uh, you know positive moments. I think in the lead up to, during, and after that, uh, I really think the games uh, will will get another further boost um, on on the back of COVID nineteen. Uh, you know, this is this is certainly going to be um, I think a real positive. Um, event uh, that will add value to that uh, to that community and and dare I say to the to the entire Commonwealth uh, sport movement. Now, but how do you deal with the um, long overdue desire of bringing the Commonwealth Games to Africa one day? You know, I think it's a it's a we are committed to bringing the games to Africa. And we've said that and. You know we have um, we have con- continuously uh, engaged uh, with our African uh, colleagues uh, throughout uh, twenty so- twenty strong Commonwealth Games associations in the region. Um, it has to be at the right time in the place. and I think by uh, <clears throat> pulling together the movement the way that we have in terms of uh, our collective work, um, pan-Commonwealth, the work that we are looking at in terms of um, our own regional development focus, and also some of the possibilities and flexibility that we may be approaching uh, future work in terms of co-hosting arrangements and, and so forth. I think, uh, I think there's a solution to be found and an opportunity to be gained um, in looking at how can the African continent host a fantastic event and how can we, uh, you know, um, whether that's a single city in a country or that's uh, some shared work um, across a particular region and how that would work. I, I look forward to working with our colleagues and continuing that conversation, but doing it at the right time for the right uh, right reasons with the right people um, in the right place. Yeah, is South Africa the the only spot in uh, in in Africa that would have the, the the capability to to host the Commonwealth Games? 
I think you know. I think it. Uh, you know. I think it, it depends on how the Commonwealth Games manifests, um, and, and I think the agility that I think we're we're all starting to realize that these events needs need need to have. Um, I, I do think we we need to be keep our minds open and look at how Africa uh, works together, how particular regions may be, depending at certain times, may be particularly uh, stronger. And so I wouldn't want to tie our arms behind our back and, and say, we're, we're just going to do it this way or just go in this direction. I, I think we really need to keep our minds open and look at, you know, how if if this is truly going to be a uh, stimulus package uh, in terms of its investment and, and its prominence and, and positioning, uh, then we really need to look at how that best fits within uh, the, the, the local context or the regional context. And, I, you know, you look at the ambitions of, uh, you know, the, 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 the Botswanas, the, the Kenyas, the Nigerias, the, uh, and, and, of course, um, and, and, of course, South Africa, um, or Namibia, um, you, you, you name it. There's, there's many countries that are hosting uh, single sport events or multi-sport events. Um, you know, the, the big question is, is, uh, you know, at, at what size scope and, and how do you not create those, those, uh, those, those great elephants, those great white elephants that uh, no one uses? Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think we really need to look at that kind of world. What, what is world class and community relevant at the same time and getting that mix right uh, in, in the African region, um, you know, may take uh, some innovative, innovative and, and different type of working. And uh, because it's a different context, you know, as it as it may differ in, in places in Asia or South Pacific or, you know, other places. So I think we're, we're bringing a culmination of different influences and approaches. And I think our, I would say that certainly our approach in terms of respecting, listening, learning uh, on a regional, local and regional basis is helping us contribute smarter and design our games and our experiences smarter. And I, I think we would, we certainly would be taking the same approach uh, to uh, fulfilling um, our, you know, our promise to, uh, to, to, to one day bring a games to Africa. It's still apparently a, a bit of a sell to get bid cities for upcoming, uh, upcoming Commonwealth Games. Uh, 2026 is open as the uh, next one to be, to be chosen. Uh, Hamilton, Ontario, which wanted to host the centennial edition of, uh, of the Games in 2030, has, uh, I guess, uh, heard a lot from, from your side of things and is ready to make the move to uh, take over 2026. Um, is, that, is that the way it's going to go, do you believe? Well, I, I can say there's a huge ambition coming out of uh, Hamilton. Um, and as you rightly said, they were looking for a centennial celebration. Um, and uh, coming from Atlanta, you'll know <laughs> what that means. Yeah. It's, <laughs> so, uh... But it's also, I think what's exciting is that this is also a place of origin. Wouldn't be dissimilar to, you know, the way the Athenians and the Greeks about uh, bringing the games back to back to Greece. Um, you know, I think that you know, Hamilton has evolved over the past 90 years just as the Commonwealth sports movement. And I think there's, there, you know, Hamilton 1930 
were the first games to have an athlete's village, first games to provide grants for athletes, and the first games to use the athlete's podium. Um, and these are some interesting uh, little historical points, uh, which obviously have had a tremendous effect on the world of sport <laughs> and how we view these multi-sport events and, and so forth since then. Um, I think there's a lot of really exciting work um, and perspective coming out of Hamilton, very much aligned to how a games can be used, uh, certainly as a stimulus package, but now uh, more than ever as part of the recovery and reset and reformation um, of uh, of Hamilton and and uh, you know the, the the Golden Horseshoe area um, around uh, you know, um, around uh, southern Ontario, um, and I think there's a you know, huge ambition to uh, use the games as a catalyst for addressing some of the aspects of truth and reconciliation with Indigenous people, um, how you embrace equality, diversity, inclusion. So there's a number of uh, really prominent um, you know, social initiatives that I think the games could be a real catalyst and bene bene uh, benefit to. But then there's also some just real tangible infrastructure uh, projects that the games could be a massive accelerator. So we're in uh, the, the stages where of dialogue and feasibility assessment with Commonwealth Sport Canada um, and, of course, the local uh, bid committee, uh, Hamilton 2026 now uh, called, they were formerly Count Hamilton 100. Um, and uh, we're working with them on, uh, on creating that proposal. And uh, it's really starting to collect some momentum. How do you make the Commonwealth Games more attractive for, for cities to bid? Uh, do you see that uh, more needs to be done on your part to encourage cities to step forward? You've uh, just put out a, a, a results of a study that shows the, the Games can have a economic positive economic impact in a, in a host city of a billion or more pounds. Billions yeah. of dollars. Yeah, I th I think it, it's you know not not you know one size doesn't fit all, um, and a lot of these these things are not run without the right place, the right people, the right partnerships, with the right purpose. And I really you know I, I firmly believe in taking a kind of systematic approach to these, you know, th to this this work because you know people in partnerships are critical and so you need to get the right champions the right uh, the right leadership um, and the right buy-in uh, to to make this uh, a proposition that's worth um, worth embracing um, and you need to do it at a scale and a scope that uh, you know is going to be deliverable but it isn't uh, you know it's uh, I, go, I look back at our experience with Glasgow 2014 where I, I did have the privilege of of really being up close and personal <laughs> with uh, as as a chief executive and and really probably um, in, in debunking <laughs> some of my own theories on major sporting events uh, through that through that that process and what I what I what's critical is is that notion of partnership and really everyone doing what they can do best um, and delivering at their at their best. 
for for an event, and 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 if that event can either be looked at two things, it's a landing uh, strip, it's a launch pad. I really have found that those events uh, in my 25 years of sports experience, uh, those events that look at those cities that host that look at it as a destination versus um, a start line in terms of running an event uh, typically have don't experience an afterglow but really a slump where if you look at it as a launch pad or a starting place you really do uh, you do you really are working uh, to uh, officially unveil this city, this region, these people to the world using this event versus with getting these people to just run an event and or getting that community to just host this event. And I think that it does, it's a very different philosophy and approach to do the one or the other. And I think we've taken certainly the the, the, the latter in terms of looking at how we use these events. And that has really served us well. How do we make them community relevant, but also have worldwide impact? And I say worldwide, how do we have impact beyond the Commonwealth itself? And that has been a, a difference in approach. How do we use this event to have a global conversation that the Commonwealth can have? How can we get that city that we're working have a global conversation as well as that local conversation and and we we you know we're the we feel that we're the right partners to 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 make that um is the commonwealth games um a relevant sports event uh given the very focused uh representation uh from 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 the countries who are qualified to uh compete in the games um the competition that you face in the sports calendar with so many other events taking place. What is the uh, unique position of, of Commonwealth Games in the pantheon of sport, if you will? Well, we have, a, we have 90 years of history. Um, you know, so our first games in 1930, um, and, uh, you know, the formerly called uh, the Empire Games, which then went to the uh, the uh, Commonwealth Empire Games and then eventually to the Commonwealth Games. Um, and uh, I history is, is certainly the good, the great, the bad, the ugly um, in terms of uh, those perspectives and, and uh, that those roots, uh, which lend themselves to some very... Uh, challenging but also uh, important uh, conversations of uh, where we, you know, it's, we've become a movement that really upholds uh, certain, I would say, you know, values in terms of uh, freedom and fairness and uh, equality, uh, the importance of uh, you know, that, uh, that human-centric approach and unleashing people's ambitions and aspirations through the power of sport. And I, I think, um, you know, in, in addition to the amazing performances that we see from Commonwealth 
athletes, both at the World Championships, the Olympic Games, and the Commonwealth Games. Uh, Commonwealth Sports Movement celebrates uh, those achievements of some of the smallest countries in the world to some of the largest. Um, there are demographics. Um, we have 2.6 billion people in the Commonwealth, so that's almost one-third of the world's population. And we have 1.6 of those 2.6 are under the age of 29. So we have a very young uh, group of nations that are united and connected, uh, you know, from their history and, and from uh, through, the, through the passion and love of sport. And we have the ability to kind of celebrate all of these nuances. We have some amazing leaders that have come from the Commonwealth, both in terms of sporting context, but also in terms of uh, political and social and uh, economic perspectives. We have, uh, you know, th this, uh, this history, heritage, and tradition that I was addressing and talking about and how we actually embrace that, acknowledge that, and also continue to, to, to push forward through that. Um, and some of that's challenging, and I think that's important right now, is that it's, you know, well, we don't always have conversations. It doesn't mean those conversations shouldn't be held, and I think the games provide us a fantastic platform to, to work through some of that. But then it also, if you look at the, the modern Commonwealth Charter, where we have these 71 nations that unite under this charter, that charter upholds some of the highest standards and ideals around human rights, good governance, peace, prosperity, and the games become fantastic manifestation about shifting the dial and pushing some of that further. And so, you know, whether you're an aspiring athlete, a, a uh, inspiring athlete, or a retiring athlete, you have a role to play in that journey. And, you know, I'm, I'm really proud to say that I really feel that the Commonwealth sport movement is probably more relevant than it ever has been. Um, it's probably more connected. Uh, we, oh, we also have two-thirds of the world's smallest states and island states. Um, so we do represent, you know, um, small communities uh, and on, on an equal playing field. And I think that's that's a really important. Uh, so we do champion uh, top dogs and underdogs at the same time, and that's a. I, I really feel like it's, there's something special with all of that. And what do you see in the Commonwealth Games future? What are the games going to look like? How will they be changed in say ten or fifteen years from now, twenty years? How 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 will they evolve? Yeah, I think I think we'll continue to evolve. I think the, the model may may change I think we you know we're in the business of building bridges not bolt walls and I think that when we look at that you know and we're in the business of creating people's proudest moments I, I say this quite often and you know in, in doing that um, I think the games will continue to be the beacon for uh, you know a, a voice and a platform of how we show our respect and protect the interest of, of humanity. Uh, and I, I, I think the games uh, provide a wonderful manifestation, not just in terms of their, de their delivery form, but also the platform that they, they 
Biden in sending out some really powerful messages in that regard. I feel that the games are one, you know, we our, our opening ceremonies are viewed by over 1.3 billion people. And so they are a wonderful uh, platform in which to promote and empower athletes from some of the largest to some of the smallest countries in the world. And I, and I, I think we need to continue to, to really use the platform, at, particularly as we uh, connect our Commonwealth digital. And I think that that's something certainly because of COVID-19, a more digitally connected Commonwealth is absolutely critical. Um, and that is something that Commonwealth heads of government are also uh, you know, prioritizing. And then I think how we uh, remember and recognize um, our Commonwealth and use, use the opportunity of the games to, to, to celebrate that, you know, whether that's doing it, as I said, um, with one particular sport, whether that's looking at different sporting properties. One of the things that we've, we've committed to doing this year is looking at other sport properties beyond just our games um, in, in order to, to grow the prominence and positioning of the Commonwealth brand where it makes sense and where it adds value, not just for the sake of, uh, yeah, I know there's been a lot of talk about sport proliferation. This is not to compete with others. This is to add value to what we are trying to achieve. Um, and so we're looking at uh, some different concepts in that regard. I mentioned co-hosting arrangements. I think we could see a combination of uh, different opportunities and, and the Commonwealth sports movement playing a particularly uh, unique uh, part in, uh, in position both athletes and and, and and those communities that uh, we all serve, uh, you know, in, in terms of uh, not only the Commonwealth itself, but what the Commonwealth uh, means and, and can mean to the rest of the world. Well, thanks for joining us on this edition of our podcast today. David Grevenberg, CEO of the Commonwealth Games Federation, speaking to us from Glasgow, Scotland. Thanks again for joining us, David. Thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure. And thank you for joining us on this edition of our podcast that puts you in touch with leaders of international sport. You hear them all at Around the Rings. Send us your comments to comment at aroundtherings.com. That's comment at aroundtherings.com. I'm your host, Ed Hula. And remember, stay calm, stay safe. For more than 25 years, your best source of news about the Olympics is aroundtherings.com.